Well, good morning, ARC family and friends. Um, glad we're all gathered this morning to continue to worship our resurrected Lord and Savior. Hey, I pray you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, good time with family and friends, just uh, eating a meal together and fellowshipping together and enjoying your time with one another. Hey, first off, let me let me give a, a huge shout out to everyone who participated in serving with Baloo this past Tuesday. Uh, by God's grace, through gracious donations from ARC members and uh, some Capitol Hill Baptist uh, church members and the Mercy of Christ Fellowship Church members, uh, we were able to serve over 64 families uh, by providing them meals this past Tuesday. So, so thank you all for your generosity. Uh, so, so grateful for, for everyone who made a donation or who prayed and then also who volunteered with us this past Tuesday. So, so thank you so much once again. I'm really excited to bring God's word this morning. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Um, as most of you know, we are in a sermon series in the Gospel of Mark entitled uh, Follow Me, Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Um, so if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 23 in our time together this morning. Um, and while you're turning there or scrolling there in your mobile devices, um, let me offer a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for this time to, to gather uh, with the saints online. To, to worship you. Uh, we have already been uh, singing praises to you. We have been praying and uh, and now it's time to, to hear from your word. And so God, I pray that um, you would remove any distractions from any of our hearts and minds. Help us to be attentive now to your word and Holy Spirit speak and move upon our hearts and help us to obey you. Um, help us to live uh, in light of your word this morning and help us to see it as precious. Uh, help us to see your gospel, even the more precious this morning. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us together uh, to be your, your children, to be a family. Uh, God, would you bless this time in your word now we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 1, it says, now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other tra traditions that they observe such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. 
And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making the word of God uh, by your tradition that you have handed down thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside can, cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, Coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Amen. So if you're taking notes this morning, here is the main idea of this passage. Here it is. Following Jesus produces true heart change not the traditions or commandments of men. Once again, following Jesus produces true heart change, not the traditions or commandments of men. And from our passage this morning, we'll see three ways that traditions and commandments of men won't produce true heart change, only Jesus. So here they are, point one. Traditions and commandments of men are rooted in works. And so we'll see that from verses one through four this morning. Point number two, traditions and commandments of men elevate themselves over God and his word. And we'll see that in verses five through 13 this morning. And then lastly, point number three, traditions and commandments of men can never change us from within. And so we'll see that from verses 14 through 23 uh, this morning. So point number one, traditions and commandments of men are rooted in works. Look back with me at verse one. As it reads, it says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So notice in verse one, that the Pharisees link up with the scribes that came from Jerusalem uh, to gather with Jesus. They are trying to trap Jesus again. And, and, and this has been 
what they've been trying to do ever since the beginning of Jesus's ministry. They've been trying to trap him, uh, but they didn't have anything on him this time to cast judgment. So what did they do? Well, they go after those who are close to him, his disciples. And so they, they judge the disciples based on their standard of living. Uh, they, they, they judge the disciples based on their standard of living. And so the question for us this morning is, have you and I ever done this before? Have we judged people based on our standards of living? So you got to remember that the Pharisees were self-righteous and they compared their way of living to everyone else around them. Um, look back with me at verse two. And so it says, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. Notice that the text says they saw some of Jesus' disciples, not all. And what's ironic is that they were able to cast judgment on all based on a few. So what did they see? They saw some of the disciples eating with unwashed hands. And if you check out the CSB translation, you'll, you'll learn that they were eating bread. So they were uh, eating bread with unwashed hands. And the Pharisees use a, a strong word to describe their unwashed hands, that word being defiled. So defiled in this context means that the disciples' hands were profaned, violated, and unclean. And so I know right now we're in the pandemic and we're all uh, thoroughly washing our hands um, and, and wearing masks and social distancing, and rightly so, we, we, we should be. Uh, but just imagine for a second, if, I, if me and my family had you over for dinner and, you know, let's say Thanksgiving dinner, and we are about to eat the meal and my wife and my son, we have all washed our hands um, and we're about to eat, but as we were about to start eating, we noticed that uh, you didn't wash your hands. Uh, now, now, for, for one, we're we gonna need you to wash them hands, <laughs> uh, but, but what if we called you defiled for not washing them? Uh, what if we judged you for not washing them the way that we should, or the way that we thought you should? Uh, then you might think that there's a little bit more into the whole washing of your hands at the Rolex. You would think that there's, there's something else going on, like uh, why are they washing their hands so much during this time? And uh, why are they judging me based on the way that I wash or not wash my hands? Well, this is exactly what's going on in this passage. If you look back at verse three, the word uh, used for wash there uh, is a ceremonial wash. And so what this means is, is that the Pharisees and the Jews were expected to wash their hands, but not for hygiene's sake. It was more in a ritualistic sense. Um, so if they were eating a lengthy meal, uh, then they would wash their hands several times during the course of that meal. And then in verse four, we see that after they leave the marketplace, that they don't eat unless they wash their hands. So one scholar says that a full immersion of the body is in view here. So baptism. So they come from the marketplace and they are uh, fully immersing themselves in water. 
wanting to clean themselves up. Uh, they even wash all of their dishes and furniture in a ritualistic sense. So, so where am I going with all of this? Well, is that the, the Pharisees and the Jews had a different definition of what it meant to be clean in God's sight. Uh, they, they had a whole different understanding of the standard of holiness. They didn't view themselves as unclean because they kept up their ceremonial washings, uh, the routines of that. And so, in, in other words, the Pharisees were caught up in works-based salvation. They thought that they could be saved by what they do for God. So, what about you this morning? What about you? If you're not a Christian, uh, we're so glad that you're tuning in this morning with us at Anacostia River Church. If you're not a Christian, I don't, I don't think it's by chance that you've been worshiping with us, singing songs and praying and hearing the word preached now. I don't think it's by chance that you're here with us this morning. But if you check out <laughs> in the rest of the sermon, uh, and if you don't hear anything else that I say right now, I want you to hear this, um, that you cannot save yourself, that nothing you attempt to do, try to do, will do, can save yourself. The only way that you can be saved is by the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, the reality for you and for me and for all of us is that we are sinners and that uh, we are, are separated from God apart from Christ and that because of our sin, we deserve God's righteous judgment due to sinners and eternity separated from him because of our sin. But Jesus, who is God, comes and he lives a perfect sinless life in your place and in my place. And he dies a death that you and I deserve on the cross for our sin. And he's buried in a grave for three days. And on that third day, he rose. And his resurrection uh, is proof to God that the sacrifice of Jesus was accepted. And through his life, his death, his burial and resurrection, he offers life to you and I, salvation. And so I, I want to invite you to that this morning. Uh, don't rely on your works. They won't save you. Rely solely on Christ and his work in your place for your sin. And if you're a Christian this morning, praise God. Amen. Thanks be to God that you have received Christ by faith through grace. I, I want to encourage you. To, to not take that for granted, to be reminded that you are only saved by his grace through faith. I'm reminded of Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 9 here, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And I want to encourage you this morning, Christian, keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus, Christian. So not only are traditions and commandments of men rooted in works, but traditions and commandments of men elevate themselves over God and his word. So point number two, traditions and commandments of men elevate themselves over God and his word. Look back at verse five with me, as you'll see that the Pharisees uh, and the scribes ask a question. It says, when the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Notice the content of this question and what's elevated. Do, do you see it? Do you see that the tradition of the elders is what's being elevated here? You also see it mentioned in, in verse 3 and verse 5 and a few other places in this passage. So what's going on here is that the tradition of the elders, which is the oral tradition, has been elevated higher than God's word. One scholar puts it this way in speaking on the tradition of the elders. He says, the contention between Jesus and the Pharisees over clean and unclean was, however, only symptomatic of a deeper cleavage the crux of which concerned the tradition of the elders. Then he continues to say, he says, in distinction from the Sadducees, for whom the written law of the Torah alone was authoritative, Pharisees accepted the evolving oral law as equally authoritative. Do you see that there? That the Pharisees and the scribes are viewing the traditions of the elders as authoritative over God's word? And so how does Jesus respond to this? Well, he doesn't respond too well, huh? <laughs> uh, first off, he calls them hypocrites. Uh, we call that faking in the hood or, or, or fronting. Uh, them fighting words right there, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, but Jesus then quotes a prophecy from Isaiah 29, 13. And, and here's what it reads. It says, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. So the Pharisees live hypocritically uh, by honoring God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. They offer lip service while their hearts are in a whole other country, far away. And if we as believers are not careful, we can slip into that same practice. Uh, maybe not in the same sense of the, the Pharisees and the scribes right now in the text, maybe not in that same sense, but, but if we're not careful, we can find ourselves praising God with our lips while we tune into an online service uh, but our hearts not being close to God. Maybe there's some unrepentant sin, or maybe we haven't been in God's word or in prayer as much this week, spending time, intimate time with God this week. Or, or maybe we're distracted by everything else that's going on in the world 
and not attentive to our souls in the way that we should be. So I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, uh, to, to not get caught up in lip service like the Pharisees and the scribes. We, we want to uh, worship God rightly. We, we want to uh, worship him in the way that he intended for us to worship him. So let's, let's do that, Christians. So not only do the Pharisees honor God with their lips while their hearts are far away, they also worship in vain and teach the commandments of men as if they're doctrine. Now, now this is very problematic. So at the core is what the oral tradition is, is all about, um, is that they, uh, that the Pharisees teach traditions and commandments of men as doctrine. So what's, what's happening here is that they are teaching uh, the traditions and commandments of men um, as if they're core teachings of the faith when they are not. So, so this is very troubling uh, to take uh, the washing of hands or any other traditions or commandments that are man-made and to then teach them as if they are scripture, as if they are core teachings of the Christian faith. This is, this is not how we are to handle God's word. This is not how we are to uh, mix up traditions and commandments of men with God's word. May we not be known for that ARC. May we not be known for mixing up traditions or commandments of men and teaching them as doctrines. So in doing so, they leave the commandment of God and hold to their tradition. You see that in verse 8. And then in verse 9, they reject the commandment of God in order to establish their tradition. Jesus gives them an example of this with how they handled the commandment from God to honor their father and mother found in Exodus 20 verse 12. As it reads, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you. And then from, from Exodus 21, 17, quotes another verse. He says, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. But, but what do the Pharisees do with that? The Pharisees elevate their word above God's holy word and then says something completely different. Look back at verse 11. What does it say? It says, uh, in Jesus talking with them, he says, but you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Do you see what's going on here? Uh, that word Corbin is a, is a Hebrew word, uh, which means an offering or gift dedicated to God. And so Dr. Uh, Danny Aiken at Southeastern Seminary helps us understand what this word means. Uh, he says the, the word Corbin allowed them, the Pharisees, to dishonor their parents by neglecting their needs, but still feel good about it 
because it was done in service to God. The Pharisees and the scribes completely changed what God intended in his word uh, when he uh, commanded us to honor our father and our mother. They completely change it by then uh, allowing them and others to dishonor their parents by neglecting their needs, but to still feel good about it as it's done in service to God. Now, how messed up and how wicked is that? That's not what God desires for us. We are to honor our mother and our father. Because in honoring our mother and father, we are honoring what God has commanded us to do. And so the result of their misalignment of tradition makes the word of God void. See that in verse 13, what does it say? Thus making the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. So it makes it void. It, it cancels it out. So traditions and commandments of men elevate themselves over God and his word. Now let's look at the last point. Traditions and commandments of men can never change us from within. So traditions and commandments of men can never change us from within. We see that in verses 14 through 23. Look back with me. So in verse 14, Jesus calls the people to him again. And he, he said to them, so it's, it's, it's almost like Jesus is, is having a come to Jesus moment with everyone who is around. Uh, and he tells them all a parable in verse 15. Uh, so he says, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So he tells them this parable. And if you're reading in the ESV, you'll notice that uh, we don't have a verse 16 here, but there is a footnote. Uh, which just tells us that some manuscripts add in this verse, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, so the disciples don't understand the meaning of verse 17. So Jesus explains it to them in verses 18 through 23. And so if you look back with me at verse 18, it says, And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. So, so it's, not what, it's not what goes into us, right? It's, it's, it's what comes out of us that's unclean, uh, that's defiled from what Jesus says here. And, and, and what are those things that come out of us? Well, he says in verse 20, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And here are those things. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and, and they defile a person. 
So it's, it's not about uh, the eating of bread and with unwashed hands or anything along those lines that, that makes us unclean. Jesus unveils a more important and bigger issue for us this morning is that our hearts are defiled. Is that our, our hearts are unclean. And it's that all of our hearts, apart from Christ, are, are defiled and wicked. In Jeremiah 17, 9, in, in talking about the heart, says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So that's you and I. Uh, our hearts are wicked, fam. They're wicked. So what's, so what's the remedy for a defiled, deceitful, and wicked heart? What's, what's the remedy for that? Well, the remedy is that we need a new one. We need a new heart. You can't clean yourself up. You know, the, the Pharisees and the scribes thought they could, but the reality of it is, is that none of us can clean ourselves up. They thought that uh, if they did enough works, if they washed their hands or or pots and all of those different things, that they, they thought that that would make them right with God. And the reality of it is it won't. As you remember uh, earlier, um, me just mentioning there is nothing that you can do that can save you. So, doesn't matter what works you and I muster up. None of those works can save us. Only the work of Christ can save us. And so some of you listening this morning, uh, you're functioning like the Pharisees. Uh, you're, you're functioning uh, thinking as if uh, your works will save you. And I, I want to uh, encourage you to to, to, to not believe that lie. To not believe the lie that your works will save you. We all need, the reality is, we all need the promise of Ezekiel 36 realized in our lives. That's the reality, that we need the promise of Ezekiel 36. And it reads this, it says, starting in verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So uh, that's the reality this morning is that we all need new hearts. And if you're a Christian this morning, by God's grace, God has uh, actualized this promise already in, in your life and in my life through the person and work of his son. Uh, but if you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to lean in and I want you to hear me in love this morning is that the reality is if you die 
in your sins that you will be eternally separated from a loving God who desires that you know him. And he has made a way for you to know him. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ, who offered his life as a sacrifice, fully paid your sin debt and my sin debt so that we might be with God for all of eternity. I want to invite you this morning to not harden your heart, but to allow God, by his spirit, through the gospel, to soften your heart, to give you a new heart and a new mind and cause you to walk in his way. I want to invite you to repent. See, the word repent is just a, a biblical word that means to, to turn away from all of the sin that God hates and to turn to him, Jesus, in faith, in belief, solely in him, meaning putting all of your eggs, your eggs in that basket, relying solely upon what Christ has done for you in your place. I want to invite you to repent and to turn to him, to trust him. And let him change your life and cause you to walk in the way that he intended for you to walk this morning. So I, I, I want to invite you to that and encourage you to, to not uh, think twice about that. To, to not delay, but to do it now. Trust him. He is coming back soon, and you want to be found ready when he comes. And brothers and sisters who have already trusted in Christ, keep trusting. Keep relying on him. Don't let the works or, or anything else uh, tempt you to think that you can do it in your own strength. No, you need God's strength. You need the gospel, day in and day out, we all do. We never outgrow our need for the gospel. And so uh, take comfort in that, be encouraged in that, uh, be revived in that this morning, that the good news uh, was good news when you first heard it and responded by faith and repentance in Christ, but it's good news now. It's good news this morning, and you can bank on that. So as we come to a close, I want to just encourage you to, to uh, sink in the gospel, to, to bear hug the gospel this morning. It's our only hope. Rely upon Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we, we do praise you for your word this morning. We do thank you for uh, the beauty of your word, uh, the preciousness of your word, the gift of your word that you have 
given to us, that you have revealed to us through your son. Thank you, God, that you've saved us, that you have uh, not left us alone uh, in our sin or uh, in our own ways to try to figure it out, but that you've provided all that we need in Christ for life and godliness. Thank you that we uh, have been uh, granted the gift of faith and repentance. Thank you that you have given us your spirit. Thank you that uh, we are known by you and that you know us. So God, this morning I pray that we would all be encouraged in this Thanksgiving season, that we would have hearts of gratitude this season. And I pray for, for all who tuned in, who uh, are unsure where they are spiritually or who are on the fence, God, I pray that you would save them, that you would draw them to yourself, that they would see their need for you and that they would see that they can't do anything in their own strength to save themselves, but that you have provided a Savior, Jesus. And so we, we worship you this morning, and we praise you, God, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and that you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.